0: ESPN1420and.com. It's the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Praether. Charles Long's over there. Charlie, you, you, you have like a. I'm stats digging. You look. You look like you're sad. You look kind of droopy this morning. What's wrong? Are you upset that
1: you like upset, have too many? And I'll cold tell you why. No, night? I'm I'm upset, and I'll tell you why. Bring it. Two free throws. Yesterday on this on on the show, I predicted 116-108. Two free throws at the end of that game. Phoenix won one eighteen one oh eight. 108 Tell
0: you. People more upset than you were all the betters that had the bucks.
1: I said I said The line went from eight to
0: ten. The line went from five and a half to seven and a half. Like really late. Really? Any betters that jumped on? That. I thought it went the opposite way. I thought it went to four and a half. Any betters that jumped on it? Maybe it was the halftime. What I'm thinking of, yeah. Anybody be have jumped on the halftime when they're like, "Please shoot a three here at the end. Please shoot a three. And then you just had that guard. Like maybe it was T. He just I kept, think, yeah, he just kept right. driving in. He just kept driving in for like layups, just trying to like get yeah. on the stat sheet. And I'm like, "Oh, bro,
1: two points, Scott. That's how close I was." Yeah, don't take this the wrong way, but I don't. I gave it. I gave it the best shot. Care. Yeah, I don't. I'm. Yeah, I,
0: no one cares what you picked or that I picked one. Phoenix up eight. But, I uh, mean, they, they 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 might care about that, right? They might care about the analysis, but do they remember the actual scores? No, this is more. It was it was just, brownie no, points. No, you're just you're just trying to feed your ego. It was brownie points. Somebody that just doesn't feel good about life that hates Kurt Warner, as we learned yesterday. Oh yeah, you know <laughs> <laughs> you're leaning into it now. Oh yeah. <laughs> Phoenix one hundred eight, one eighteen, a winner over Milwaukee one eighteen one hundred eight. Rather, I should probably say the higher score first, right? Or after I say Phoenix, dude, Giannis. I feel bad for him. Good Lord, forty-two and twelve. The guy was incredible. Played forty minutes. I, I again, I look at him and I look at Adrian Peterson in twenty twelve, and I think it's a problem for every other athlete that ever like has an injury because you'll have somebody in a sports debate be like, "Well, I mean Adrian Peterson. I mean, look what he did. Or remember Giannis? He came back early and look, remember what he did in the finals and blow." Like, guys, these these they're not normal human beings. You cannot look at them and say, and look at how crazy it is that they were able to overcome what they overcame. And granted, look, Petersons was much different than Giannis's. I get it, but let's be real, Charlie. When you saw Giannis go down the way he did a little less than two weeks ago, you, like everyone else, was like, "Ooh, that might be it." I thought his season was over. People, people thought people were like, "Oh, the Hawks are going to the finals." Yeah, like that's what that's what it was, and then. He, they didn't, and they didn't even need Giannis to win the series. But doubtful for Game One. That's what the that's what the build up was, you know, early in the day on Tuesday. Now you've seen in the last two games, and you're like, man, he's one of the best
1: player on the floor. Granted, in a losing effort, the first two games, doubtful, and then questionable, and then 30 minutes ahead of the Game One, they announced he's playing, and he looks really good. He looks surprisingly good. And then last night, he looked like nothing had happened. All right, so
0: speak to bucks fans out there and there's probably not many listening. Okay. But give me a glass I'll half empty and then so, a glass half full approach to their outlook. So if you're if if the bucks want to be pessimistic, pessimistic and then if you want to kind of build them up and say, "But look,
1: look here guys, look it's okay." Look. Give me give me both sides of this. Well, you're down 2-0. I mean, that's pessimistic as itself. Like if I'll, you go down 2-0 in a final series, it's never looking good. I'll
0: I'll add to that. Got a stat for you. Not written anywhere. Okay. I did see it earlier, but I remembered it. 31-4 and all-time in the NBA Finals teams that go up 2-0. Yeah. Eighty-nine percent of the time. Mm-hmm. And this isn't the Pelicans because we know that, you know, they're the ones that typically break the records in the other way. If it's 89 percent, they'll make sure they're part of that 11 percent. Of course, they would oh, yeah. be in the Finals anyway. But, I mean, the Suns,
1: they, they, they're – they're cruising right now, and yet all they all they've done is hold serve. Well, that's what happened last night. Was you you saw one of the better games out of the books as far as like dominant in, dominant inside some good ro- role models or role players playing well uh, like Pat Connaughton and and PJ Tucker at points, but Giannis put on a hurt. he said forty two points. He his third quarter was near historic for a finals game where he scored 20 points, yeah. and it was the most points scored in a finals quarter since Michael Jordan t- scored 22 in, like,
0: 1993. Yeah, against, so, against the, the Suns. Suns. Yeah, Barkley Suns. How about that? Yeah. Yeah,
1: take that, Phoenix. <laughs> you can't even
0: hold a player to under 20 in
1: a quarter. Yeah, that's some bad history for them. But, yeah, I mean, he put out a Herculean effort, but the biggest issue was his two stars and Middleton. Chris Middleton, I talked with Norm about this the other day, and we both agreed that Chris Middleton is consistently inconsistent. And he showed that. I think he's been pretty terrible on the road this postseason, but he's been great at home. So look for him to turn around at game three, if I'm telling you right now. if The Bucs get this series back, turn around. They got to win both these home games. I predicted them to do both of that. And that's a big reason behind that is because I think Middleton will turn around at home. Well, he has to.
0: Right. If he plays good last night, Milwaukee probably wins. Yeah. He was awful. He was He's awful. He's making 31 million dollars this year. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't you can't judge Middleton the same way you ju- you judge, you know, Pat Connaughton, who probably shouldn't be playing 34 minutes a game, but Milwaukee he has just to. Yeah, correct. Correct. I'm not I'm not even criticizing Bud for that. But like I you 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 can't judge the guys the same way. I mean, one's an all-star making 31 mil and um the other is a bench player that had to play 34 minutes last night, but uh, it, it is. It, I mean, Portis only played five minutes after game one. They're like, we're not even putting him out there. And Milwaukee did not make a lot of adjustments. I mean, I, it was it Jalen Rose at halftime? It was like they haven't done anything? Are you Did you watch the first half? They were trying to make a ton of adjustments, and they did. They just weren't working. Phoenix had an answer for everything, and any time Milwaukee mm-hmm. last night would make would come back make it a five, six-point game, including in the last five minutes when it was a one hundred three ninety-seven. like, okay, they have a chance to steal one. Anytime they would do it, Phoenix had, I won't call it a dagger because a dagger is like the phrase you use to like, you know, whenever it's like done, but it was almost like just a switchblade, like a, or whatever the saying is, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts, these were a little bit deeper than paper cuts, but they always seemed to just come right down. Anytime the Bucks were just thinking about taking momentum, huge shot. Whoever, Whether it be Booker, whether it be Paul, whether it be Mikhail Bridges, who was just on Lynn fire last night. I love Mikael Bridges. It was like, boom. The second it seemed like Milwaukee was going to maybe, are they about to make it a one-possession game? Phoenix would just basically be like, oh, the door's open a crack. Let's kick it shut
1: in your face. Well, I'll tell you a moment like that um that happened late in the game. In the fourth quarter, uh Giannis had come down for a huge block. And then on the other side, Drew threw up a lob to Brook Lopez late in the game in the fourth quarter with like seven minutes left, I think. And they had gotten the lead for all the way down to five points. But Giannis on the block, it was a great block, but when he came down he cramped. They took him out the game and that five point lead gets to ten in mm-hmm. like two seconds. Yeah. And then after that you're like, well, you got to get him back in, but you know you had a chance to get it down to one possession, maybe even get a tie, take the lead. But Giannis went out the game, and as soon as he did, it's it's like his his other stars on that team did not pick up the slack for him last night at all. I think he had to do it by himself, and he's playing on one leg. Yeah, it's just like it, he had to nah, do too much. He's a freak.
0: He's playing on like four legs. We just don't realize it. Oh he's, yeah, he's just other world. He's league. a minotaur. Um, the, I think part of it too is just. That Chris Paul mentality and with that team, you smell blood in the water.
1: I Chris mean, Paul in the second half when when when, Oof. when
0: when they smell blood in the water, man. They're they've got they've got a competitive edge about them. Um, they have a lot of youth on this team, but but they haven't showed it. Now we've seen them show it at times this postseason on the road. Does that happen Sunday? Milwaukee's winning game three. I'm just telling all you the Bucks are the winning. Milwaukee's winning
1: game, game Three and Four, in my opinion. But they're not winning the series. They're not. Suns and Six.
0: Two six nine ten seventy seven two six nine one zero seven seven. Open up phone lines for you. Uh, you can uh, tweet us uh, at ESPN fourteen twenty. Take a phone call. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello.
2: Bucks take too many elevated shots for me. They take too many elevated shots. Uh, they bringing the ball up court. Middleton shoot. Taking a three with like twenty on the shot clock. Come on, yeah, uh, Middleton that's uh, I question some game. of that shot selection. Um, also play in the paint more. You can dominate in the paint. That was a play where I think someone took a shot from the perimeter, and Giannis had three men. You know, he grabbed the rebound over him because he's you know he's so taller than the rest than most of the Phoenix players. He got back up. You know, thing was uh, got to the free throw line. Play in the paint because you uh, slow the game down. Use Lopez. Use Giannis. Uh, just trying to grind it out. Drew um, Holiday, yeah, he's not looking good before. But I, I do agree with uh, Charlie. I think the Bucks are going to win uh, the next two games. Uh, but I still see Phoenix in six. But I don't know. I think they, we'll, we'll see what takes place. But, yeah, uh, they need to make some adjustments. Take better shots. Like I said, I don't, I don't like some of their shots. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't like some of their shot selection. And uh, we'll see what takes place. But I give Phoenix credit. Um, you think Sam is upset with that play? You think he thought that was dirty, what Chris Paul did, uh, before the first half ended?
0: I think Chris Paul plays dirty. I mean, yeah, probably. But I don't think any of them are surprised. I mean, it's Chris Paul's got this weird... Rep, where he's kind of respected by not everyone, but a lot in the league, and yet a lot of players don't like him. And then he's head of the union. From a player's standpoint, he's the president. It's he's kind of like it's an interesting case study, I guess. But you know, I think they know. I think I think they know. It's just it's business. It's competition. Bring it. But yeah, Paul. Paul. Will get I heard Kyle. <laughs> I heard Kyle say. I think I think Kyle
2: was talking to you about him. Uh, uh, Sam, I heard you he say what did Chris Paul take his girlfriend? No, I don't think it's that. I think Chris Paul took his donut. Look, you have a good one. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Thank you for the call, man.
0: <laughs> twenty minutes after the hour, ESPN fourteen twenty and dot com. Scott Prather, Charlie Long. All right, what's the what's what's the big key? Is it just as simple as Middleton? Because I I think I think the caller makes a good point. A lot of just bad shot taking. It seemed like. When, when the Suns would get a little hot, instead of Milwaukee just trying to kind of calm down and like, all right, let's just get a good shot here. Let's move the ball around. It was, oh, my God, we got to get a shot in. And just like maybe some like panic shots almost.
1: Yeah, the key is, I mean, Middleton and Drew. It's as simple as that. They need to play better. Drew played great defense at points in the first half. But you went on Twitter and you, or you went on social media and you wouldn't think he played any good defense given how people were getting on him and trashing him like there were pictures of like him turning into like eric bledsoe and stuff like that he looked great to first team defensively like like he's supposed to but he missed so many shots at the rim so many layups so many like off the backboard just rimmed out and that's i don't think that's all in drew i think that's just unlucky you know
0: yeah he 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 seemed to be more aggressive in game two than he was in game one absolutely he wasn't he took like Finish, 15
1: King. shots in the first half. He and, wasn't finishing last night. And because night. he wasn't finishing, he he didn't he laid off his aggressiveness in the first in the second half. So Don't it was go unfortunate. Anywhere. More of the great
0: Scott show coming up next. I'm Scott. That's Charlie Long. Conor McGregor trying to kick Dustin Poirier at the end of last night's press conference. Some great trash talking last night. We are uh, a day away from UFC 264. Show me the money. Best... Offensive players in the NFL under the age of 25. Mm. More on the NBA Finals and some changes to the UL baseball coaching staff on the assistant side of things. We'll dig into that. I'm Scott. That's Charlie. It's the great Scott Show. Don't go anywhere. ESPN 1420. Shout out to the national spelling bee champion. First African-American ever to win it. Zaila Avant-Garde. She happens to be from Louisiana, Charlie. Louisiana pride. You love it. Won the th- 93rd Scripps National Spelling Bee. Man, I tell you what, dude, that's a fierce competition. Huh? Yes, it is. They, they, you, you yes, think, it is. We're about to talk about McGregor and Poirier just trading some you know, psychological blows. They don't mess around in there. Shout out again, the Harvey native, um, Zayla, just awesome stuff. Yeah, but, we wanted to mention it. You know, I think, I think it was a cool little thing from last night.
1: But you were you, you were you were like watching some of this.
0: What happened during one of the breaks or had hey, so, into a break?
1: No, I saw it I saw it on Twitter. Um all of a sudden training on Twitter like I was um hearing that there was one break that they went into after a kid had gotten eliminated. These are eleven to fourteen year old kids, right? After one break ESP it was playing on ESPN two, they started playing another one bites the dust. Nice. Which is it's just it just as, as brutal as it gets. Yeah. Like Cutthroat. Take that,
0: eleven-year-old. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Spell this. <laughs> ESPN fourteen. It woman. was rough. It's like that's, man. Uh, hey, but hey, Louisiana. That's awesome. Good stuff. Congratulations.
0: Absolutely, congratulations to uh, to Zahia. Um, Speaking Speaking Louisiana,
1: Dustin Poirier. Are
0: there are there hills here in
1: Louisiana? There is not a single hill in Louisiana.
0: Not not in the traditional sense, anyway. Maybe yeah. a few man-made ones for. um... Like the New Orleans uh, Zoo. Yeah, yeah right, like right, right, Monkey right, Hill right, or right. whatever. The Indian Hills at LSU, right? But these are not, um, you know what we mean when we're talking about. Hills, yes. Guys. We, you don't live, you live in a flat state. You don't live in the heels as people perhaps in various parts of Kentucky, you know, the live in the, hill, in the hills, right? Um, yeah, Conor McGregor putting <laughs> stuff up on Twitter, dumb stuff oh, that God. just, you know what, the fight's tomorrow, get it going. This is a weird Odd voice thing he put up.
1: Alright, don't like this.
2: I'm coming for you, P. Head. Silly hillbilly. What? This is weird. Dustin. Oh, we're playing it
1: again, Scott.
2: Is this, is it's just, I like seeing
1: the weird
0: look on you. You're free. He's freaking you out. He's getting into your head, Charlie. You're not even fighting him. No. Yeah. I'm no, This isn't is even getting him. This is just weird. Kinda
1: Silly creepy. here,
2: Billy.
0: Silly hillbilly. Billy. It sounds like a weird, like, back in the day when people used to listen to CDs, every album, not every album, a lot of albums would have, like, a little skit here or there just, like, talking. It seems like something random you'd hear on an album and be like, oh, I guess that's just some weird voicemail that they left each other or some inside joke and... That's what it felt like. It's like what? Is, what is this?
1: But I mean, like at least use a. <laughs> there's no hills in Louisiana, man. Peahead. head, like hillbilly.
0: <laughs> um, tweeting stuff for about you know we said yesterday Dustin's wife as if she's trying to DMs and stuff and said you know you have to ask her I don't know what blah 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 and it, 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 Dustin seems totally unfazed by all of yeah. this. Um, well, he's already knocked him out, you know. In 2014, seven years ago, a younger Dustin, he's like, yeah, every all of the trash talking from Connor, it all got completely in my head. He's like, you get older, you get, in the, you stay in the game long enough, you figure it out, and uh, and then it becomes more about you know selling a fight. Every now and then, though, you know there, it can cross lines. I mean, D.C. and John Jones. I mean, Cormier, will tell you, look, I could sell a fight, but this was a situation where it he crossed it, the line. It, 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 for both of them, it just yeah. became deeply personal, and they say it to this day. Um But, yeah, you, you had some you had some good moments. You had uh McGregor, you know, telling everybody, right? It was a, it was a fluke win 167 days ago. Oh, he's supposed
2: to have Douglas. He's supposed to have Douglas is where he is. And that's the way he's going to go down. He's going to be known for that. It was a fluke win,
0: and I'm going to correct it on Saturday night. Some booze in there. Is Conor as beloved as he is? He is he as beloved as he used to be? No, he was like the most popular fighter in the world he's for still, a stretch. He
1: still is one of the most popular fighters. Popular
0: but, in a good way.
1: Oh yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, I don't know, man. I don't think so. Knocking people out in bars. I don't think he's as they beloved drink as he drink used his,
0: to be. His whiskey or whatever it is. Yeah, it's an Irish whiskey, right? That he sold for obscene amount of money. And the guy's worth hundreds of millions. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean he can't get knocked out though, but last fight was odd. It was I'm we're gonna fight, I'm gonna donate all this money to your charity, I'm back in the UFC for a fight again, we'll see what happens. This time it feels a lot more like some of the older McGregor fights where yeah the trash talking was just it's it's been it's been hot and heavy. And um someone last night at the press conference was asking Connor about it, and then Dustin picked up his mic and just jumped in with a response.
1: Connor in the build up to the last fight, usually kind to of Dustin. Now on fight week it's the exact opposite. So where did that switch happen? Because he got
2: knocked the f out. Oof. Oof. He's not wrong. Not McGregor fast,
1: McGregor sleep.
0: It was funny that the second line from Dustin, it was right when McGregor was going to talk into the mic. Dustin grabbed his real quick and uh-huh. just jumped in and cut him off. Let me tell you something. Poirier of like a couple of years ago, five, six, he didn't, you know, I mean, we love the guy. We're rooting for him. Mm. Like that kind of pre-fight charisma wasn't there. Like he's just on another, he's, he's in his prime right now. Will it be good enough to, to beat Connor? I don't know, but I think we're in for a good fight and, uh, and Dustin's, Dustin's going to bring it, man. I mean, you know, last fight, let's exchange respectful words and gifts this time around. It's gloves are off. Trash talking. They're bringing you know spouses into it. Everything. This fight's going to sell
1: money. It's, Scott, this fight is going to sell a lot of money, and it's it,
0: it, they're going to sell a lot. And then it's the first back in Vegas. So you got the crowds in the states. It's the, the fight itself sold out in like three minutes online. That's not surprising. So the the environment is going to feel. Like Gladiator, I, I get like, it. it's not you know it's not an empty arena or it's not at Fight Island, which is cool when you have fans, but it's still it's Fight Island. It's not the same as when you've got the crazy just right here in the states in Vegas. It's going to be a heck of an environment, man. This thing, God, it needs to again mid round knockout. That's what this thing needs. Is that what you're calling? Oh, absolutely. Call your shots, Scott. Give me it's it, a knockout in round three. Round three, okay. Yeah. Yeah. and I'll be a homer and say poor Abe. Yeah, Poirier. of course. Oof! I feel is is, is it's hardest. It's like, is Connor? Does he care? Does he care that he is not winning and and being the fighter that he used to be? Is this just another money grab, yeah, or is kind of there that, off. or is there that pride in him where okay, the buildup this time is legit. He's training his ass off. He does not want to get punked again. Or is it the guy that has still talked a big game but made hundreds of millions? the last few years and is not the, the fighter he used to be. Like, what has it been leading up to the fight? He's selling it as if it's that old guy. Yeah. If it is, well, see, he's going to win. I mean, it's if all it's speculation. If it's not, he's going to lose. If it's kind of somewhere in the middle,
1: we're going to get a great fight. It's all speculation. I think it's uh, it's probably a little bit more the, the latter, like where he's not as, the same as he used to be, but he's still trying to sell it. I don't think, you know... That's that's just business moves, you know. It, like he wants to make sure that this fight makes money, and you can bet that it's going to make plenty. So, ESPN fourteen twenty and com. Scott Pray for Charlie Long. Moving on the CBS list, Scott. Or are we talking about the Cajuns hire?
0: We're gonna do Cajuns assistant coaches in the. Uh, no, let's 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 do that now. Okay, let's do that now. So, uh, Ken Rogers first to report. Um, I confirmed through some sources as well. Uh, the Cajuns' two assistant coaches leaving the program uh, have left the program. Jeremy Talbot and uh, B.J. Ryan. Talbot had been the recruiting coordinator. No longer. That's not. That was no longer listed on the website, or it's not anymore. Um, heard that maybe he kind of wanted to step back a little bit from that. That's something he did well, though. Um, and uh, hitting coach, and he's gone. B.J. Ryan everyone knows, pitching coach, but he was a volunteer assistant. That's, that was him on the staff. It was when Rove passed, he went to Degs, said, you know, I'll do it. And Degs like, okay. You know, I mean, you get a guy like that as a volunteer coach. But from what I've heard with BJ, it's a, um, you know, his family in Shreveport wanting to get back there. You know, they didn't, I don't think they moved down here. So kind of a family deal, which I think everyone can understand and respect uh, and joining the staff on a full-time basis is Seth Thibodeau. Now, Thibodeau has been at Nichols State the last 14 years. He's been mm-hmm. the head coach there the last 11. He resigned from Nichols last month. I think officially it was like June the 3rd. June 3rd, yeah. I'm just telling you guys, he didn't resign, and then this just happened to fall into his lap. Like this, he knew, I think, what was going to happen. I, I would imagine this was part of the plan Half speculation on my part, half – I've kind of talked to a few folks, and you're getting a guy that knows the the area. And when you look at assistants at UL, whether it be Wade, you know, you look at a coach at La Tech now, and Wade, you look at John Shep, who was at, what, Maryland, Virginia Tech now. You look at guys that have been assistants at UL and been able to go on and get head coaching jobs – guy was the Southland coach of the year yes in 2014 and really uh, I I don't know that the other opportunities have arisen there maybe he whatever the reason is you resign from a head coaching spot and now you're you're an assistant Mm -hmm. um and with good reason I mean it's some assistant jobs are better than some head coaching jobs depending on where you are uh no disrespect to Nichols at all but let's call a spade a spade I mean that's just what happened right um and so he is originally, I think he's from Church Point, uh, played college ball at LSU-E and William Carey, uh, been coaching for a little while, but been in Nichols for a while. Uh, he joins Matt Deggs' staff. What's your biggest takeaway from these
1: this this announcement? Which I think the school has not announced it. yet, but but word leaked yesterday. I think he kind of hit on it. He knows the area very, very well. And I think this is almost like a Coach Deggs saying, we're going to return to the Roots. We're going to get a bunch of players from Louisiana. Like there's been in recent years they've kind of gone around the southeast like they've gotten some players from Texas they've gotten some players from you know Florida and, and it's just the overall area I think this is Degs saying we're committing to getting Louisiana players we're getting a guy that knows the area knows some of the coaches local coaches can get the scoops on certain players that we should take a look at and recruit yeah this this is this type of move
0: Jake Wells is currently listed as the um recruiting coordinator Via the website now, Talbot kind of served as that recently, right? Um, Wells, I know the players love him. I mean, the players very mm. much love the guy. Um, obviously, Bab and and Deggs, you know the rest of the staff there. So, Thibodeau joins them from a volunteer assistant spot. We'll see with that and pitching, um, but you know, B.J. Ryan, that's that's tough, man. I mean, I yeah. you know, from uh, at, he departs and and you're you're losing something with him, no doubt. We'll see what they do. Top to bottom with the staff, but uh, that was uh, a big get the last two seasons, and uh, and he heads back up to uh, the northern part of the state. Wish him well. Yeah, of course. You, you got a two-time MLB All Star and alum on the staff with your pitchers. That's a that's something you don't want to
1: lose. Yeah, but it, I think it was a personal thing with him. I think he wanted to go back up yeah. and spend more time with absolutely, uh, absolutely family up there. So.
0: 42 after the hour, ESPN, 1420 and dot com. I'm Scott. That is Charlie Long when we come back. 25 and under. Best offensive players in the NFL. 25 and under. I mean, give me one right off the top of your head. Lamar. Okay, that was an easy one. Yeah, Lamar Jackson. (laughs) All right, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back into the great Scott show on a Friday. I'll be out next week. Norman Locke will be hosting in the mornings. Charlie Long, Lynn Burden in the afternoons. Holding it down. Excited. NFL season. I mean, I was talking to Gus Cagnoe earlier. So I do every Friday. He's like, Scott, in two weeks, we're going to be talking about the Saints like, getting ready for like, training camp. Yeah. Golly. Yeah, it's coming up on us, man. You start seeing the fantasy previews everywhere, and got the young, the youngins in the NFL, the guys twenty-four and younger, right? Yeah, under twenty-five, so not including twenty-five. I th- I prefer to just say twenty-four and under. Correct. Just twenty-five. Under twenty-five confuses folks because if that was the case, then obviously you know Mahomes, yeah, 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 he's only like the best player in the world. Crazy, he's only twenty-five. So, uh, yeah, CBS Sports, what, they put together this list here? Yes, what, CBS you, you Sports. Got, you got an issue
1: with it? No, 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 I was just going to read it down, see what you thought, and then um, we can talk a little bit about it. So the first team, all 24 and under, quarterback, Lamar Jackson. You guys won an MVP, I think that one was pretty clear. Uh, running back, Saquon Barkley, first team, which is interesting because, you know, he's shown flashes. He can be that guy, but just needs to stay healthy. The receiving core under twenty or twenty four and under is stacked. First team: Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown. That receiving talent, young receiving talent in the NFL, it's incredible. Uh, TJ or TJ Hawkinson's the tight end from the Lions, Pro Bowl tight end under twenty four. Uh, offensive line: Jedrick Willis, left tackle for the Browns, had a great rookie season with the Browns. The Browns' offensive line just a key to how good they were last year. I mean, run the ball. Yeah. I, and, and there's a reason why that they were successful and they're going to stay successful. is that offensive line is good and they're young. And Jedrick cool. Willis is a, is a big, he's
0: por- a franchise left tackle.
1: Definitely. And they got him in the first round last year. They got what they wanted. Uh, left guard, Connor Williams, a little surprised to see him on the list. I know he's struggled at points, but they kind of, they need him. They move him around on that offensive line. Cause they had issues with injuries and stuff like that. Um, but he's obviously good, a good offensive lineman. He just had inconsistencies with where he was he's, playing.
0: He's fine. He's the weakest player on this first
1: team. I agree. Uh, center Eric McCoy, a guy that we both really like. I said last
0: hour, yep. Russ and I were talking about guys that have never been to a Pro Bowl yet for the Saints that will do it this year. You couldn't name Rand Shecker demario Davis because even though they haven't, they've been
1: first-team APL pros. McCoy so just, would have been my answer.
0: Yeah, too. McCoy was my answer. That's where I rolled with. So not
1: surprised to see him here. Right guard Nate Davis for the Titans. Titans, another team with a great offensive line. Nate Davis is a mauler of a uh, of the right guard position, and right tackle Tristan Wirfs for the Buccaneers. Bad boy, he gets he gets nasty. He does.
0: Yeah, I think. What do you think? I think it's a it shows you that some really good players. I mean, like I said, Connor Williams is probably the only one where I'm like, yeah. How know, many points per
1: game is that offense putting up? Yeah, I,
0: if that offense hypothetical.
1: Hmm. They'd
0: probably be like second in the NFL behind the Chiefs. Okay. Okay. I mean, at some point, you can just Never have too many any. weapons. Like, Never I mean, you got core, Saquon man. Barkley, and then you have Justin Jefferson and DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. Like, uh-huh. you know, you, there's only one football to share. And then you got Lamar Jackson. No, they, they, they shoot, they might lead the NFL in scoring, honestly. Like,
1: that receiving core is incredible. I,
0: and then you get Saquon Barkley. Yeah. I
1: mean, good Lord. Yeah. Um, and a great O line, yeah, they would they would put up
0: numbers. They would lead. They would lead the NFL. Which hey. which stands out to me is I'm I'm looking at the second team here. Yeah, go ahead. Kyler Murray at quarterback. Josh Jacobs of the Raiders. Your receivers are DJ Moore, Ceedee Lamb, and Chase Claypool, who had a good rookie year, but like Noah Fant's should tight end. Um from the Broncos. Left tackle, Makai Becton of the Jets. Left guard, Michael Owanu of the Patriots. Center is Lloyd Cushingberry the third of Denver. LSU fans know him. Your right guard is Damian Lewis of the Seahawks. Um and then your right tackle is Shugwamu Okorafor of the Steelers. Like the get the difference, like you start reading the first team, you're like, good lord who didn't make the first team? Man, how good are the players 24 and under? Then you read the second team, you're like, oh, okay, all right. It's right. Uh, they're still – the the older guys in the league are still the kings here because while there's some really good players 24 and under, and I'm not even saying that these guys on the second team aren't good. I mean, you have some good ones, but you don't have a single guy on there that's even, you know, sniffed a, a, a Pro Bowl, have you? Uh, Maybe Josh Jacobs? Jacobs, I think, made a Pro Bowl. I mean, he's good. He's good. But then when you look at that, they didn't list a fullback, so they only he – was, he, was, he was a pro bowler last year. And I, I like Josh Jacobs. But, like, that kind of makes sense because they only listed one running back on the first team. You know, a lot of these sites will list two on the first team. So since there was only one, you have to go – so it makes sense that Jacobs is really good there. But I, I, I think a lot of these guys are, you know, they're good players. But I don't care that Kyler Murray and, and Josh Jacobs were voted to the Pro Bowl last year. There's a there's a gap between a wide team, gap between yeah. Jackson and Murray, and there's a gap between Barkley and Jacobs, even though Barkley was hurt. There's a gap between but that the receiving, receiving core. core oh a huge gap. It's gigantic. And I think the O line, there's a big gap
1: there. I really do. I think I really like Mikhail Becton, but outside of that I can agree with that.
0: Uh yeah, man. I um I think you've got you've got some good players that are young. You know, you got a couple of former LSU linemen that are on the second team, and Damian Lewis, Lewis, and Cushenberry. But again, outside of Jacobson Murray, none of those guys are you saying, oh, they're they're pushing to be an All Pro this year. And Murray and Jacobson aren't pushing to be an All Pro, maybe a Pro Bowler. Um, I'm probably not giving Jacobson enough respect. So
1: Murray's got a, a real high ceil- ceiling too. A, sure, he does,
0: but he's not he's not there yet. No. I mean, you know, a lot of hype last year, and then the latter part of the season, it was kind of like, oof. And there look, seemed to be a
1: wall. I'm though, not arguing there. for Murray above Lamar. Lamar's won an MVP. I mean, that's that's clear. He's the, the best quarterback To say that, 25. like, the
0: future of the league is strong and in good hands, yeah, because you think about Mahomes being only 25, and you start thinking about those guys in their mid-20s, and you're like, okay, yeah, it is, right? Kamara, guys like that. you're like, it, they're, they're good. You look at the first team, and you're like, this is great. You look at the second team, and you're like, uh, This is a drop-off. Definitely a, a drop-off. huge drop-off, in my opinion. Especially at receiver. Receiver and, for and, sure. And on the old
1: line. There's some uh, studs on that first team, like or re- like Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, AJ Brown. Are all three of them in like the top 10?
0: They're unbelievable. Okay. They're all
1: 24 and under. And they're all borderline top ten receivers in the NFL. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's crazy. Can't argue with that, man. That's it for the great Scott Show ESPN 1420 and com. Enjoy the fight tomorrow. Enjoy the final Sunday. Enjoy the weekend in sports. Enjoy Wimbledon. Enjoy life. Give blood, guys. The Vitalant Blood Drive. It's happening. We need blood. You could save up to three lives going on until 4 p.m. today. 325 Apollo Road between Cameron Street and the Roundabout in Scott, not far off of I-10 at the Westline Event Center. No wait time. Come on. Make it happen. ESPN 1420 and It's the great Scott show. That's Charlie Long. Thanks for hanging out this week. Chuck? Yeah, it was fun,
1: man. No one calls you Chuck. Sorry, I didn't mean no, to do that. No, it does not happen.
0: It's all right. <laughs> I don't know. You know who was in a TV show called Chuck? Who's that? Zachary Levi, who plays Kurt not seen Warner. Zachary apparently Levi. Okay, you this absolutely is a stretch, Scott. This is a stretch. For some reason, the man oh hates the this is stories. such a stretch. Zach- I've never seen stories, Zachary Levi in anything in my them. life. No, this is all This all goes back to your hatred of Kurt Warner and him, his ability to I gotta overcome. I've got to watch Shazam this weekend now, Scott, so obstacles. I can give Zachary Levi some love. Greeny's next ESPN 1420. <laughs> Look out on Twitter.